Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Mets fans. This is Steve Saipa, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Lavin. And this is a special episode of From Complex to Queens because it is draft night. Uh, the 2019 draft is currently in progress as we are recording. And at the rate things are going, it's probably going to be Going for a very, very, very long time. Oh, yeah. So, how are you guys doing? All right. Yeah, pretty uh, good. Yeah, I mean, this could, uh, we'll get into it, but this, they, they didn't do what we were all afraid they'd do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, if I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd characterize what the Mets did as a big surprise. I don't know, but, they really haven't been up to when the Mets picked. There really hadn't been any surprises. No. The Orioles, with the very first pick, went with Adley Rushman. They did literally the only thing that that they should have done. Yep. Yep. Um, at number two, the Kansas City Royals, they picked Bobby Witt Jr. He's a very Royals pick, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he seems like it. I think Ken and I would disagree with that pick, but it's fine. <laughs> At number three, the White Sox went with Andrew Vaughn. 
Yes. Good. The dream has died. Uh, it was never much of a dream, Ken. Yep. At number four, the Marlins went with J.J. Bleday. That pick was that, – that's been their pick for like, I don't know, two months now? Yeah, it was – Yeah. Dude, um, dude's been mashing in the SEC, so. Yep. Good hitter from a good program. Yep. With the sixth pick, the Tigers went with Riley Green. Actually, that was the fifth pick. Never mind, but. I don't have any strong opinions on Riley Green. Nope. With the sixth pick, the <laughs> Padres went with C.J. Abrams. I don't have any strong feelings on C.J. Abrams either. Lots of tools, but, yeah, nothing real strong to, to add there. There was some – I know there was some buzz that he was going to go top three, that the White Sox were not going to take Vaughn, and clearly the White Sox wised up and didn't screw that up. So the generational – College hitting talent. <laughs> yeah, like don't don't overthink it. Yep. Uh, with the seventh pick, Cincinnati Reds went with Nick Lodolo. The pitching class is pretty weak this year. Yeah, he's like the good version of the uh, like stuff lefty profile. It's like the yeah. good version of the pa- David Peterson profile. Are you saying Seth David he- Peterson isn't good? Um, we might be saying that, Steve. No, it's, it's like the middle outcome of the David Peterson profile. <laughs> <laughs> Where the velocity never really jumps and, you know. Less health concerns than Peterson. Uh, better mm-hmm. third pitch. Um, yeah. With the eighth pick, Texas Rangers went with Josh Jung. Ugh. I mean, you were why, – why were you so big on him? I, I never – So <clears throat> you you and I should kind of share the opinion that, um like, good college talent is, like, the, the top profile. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, I think Jung fell – I think he, there's a, a pretty good argument that in a draft that doesn't have Andrew Vaughn or J.J. Bladé and, you know, maybe he doesn't lose 30 points of BABIP uh, – He'd probably go much higher. I think he's he's like a top ten talent guy who kind of fell for not particularly, you know, good reasons. But I guess he was in the top ten. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. I think the... basically um, the swing's kind of stiff, uh, but he gets to you know a decent amount of power in games. Uh, and I really think if he learns how to pull the ball, he's going to be like a thirty home run guy. Uh, and the Mets have done relatively well with like swing overhauls. In the, the recent past. Have they? I mean, Alonzo, they've done a lot of good things with Conforto, although Conforto, you know, is Conforto. Right. Uh, who knows if it continues? Yeah. But, you know. This kind of reminds me of a discussion we used to have, like, three or four years ago when the Warthen slider was all the craze. It was like, all right, should we be taking, like, command and control polish pitchers and just making that, teaching them new stuff? That feels yeah. like the new – now it's – should we be taking guys with contact and big strength and teaching them new swings? Yeah. I think it's difficult to – it's really difficult to project who's going to take to a swing change, and I really don't like young swing. So I get yeah. what you're saying, but – A swing change is a lot more – there's a lot more work. Than yeah, I just don't think it's a major pitch. one. Like I, I don't know, like – 
he's got like an uppercut, but it's a little stiff. But like, I don't think that's a particularly big change to make, like learning how to pull the ball. That's natural for a lot of people. So whatever. I think Texas will, I mean, the Rangers have the, the development pipeline to make your take look good here in a couple of years. So yeah, I hope so. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, at number nine now, the Atlanta Braves picked and they went with Shea Langliers, the catcher. I don't love Langoliers, honestly. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> it seems like, oh, he went five for five with three dongs yesterday in the regionals or whatever it was. So let's move him up 15 spots. I mean, he might be good. I just don't think he's going to hit. Yeah, me neither. And, like, if he's not going to hit, he's basically what? Best case scenario, like Austin Hedges? A backup catcher. Well, not a backup catcher, but Austin's Hedges' defense is like insane. So that's that's... yeah, like like I mean, like best case scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I know Langoliers has a very good reputation for defense. Yeah. I'm glad the Mets didn't have to make that choice. Yep. All right, at number ten, San Francisco Giants. Picked Hunter Bishop. The second dream is dead. Yep. This one yeah, had a chance. Little, that was a little sad. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about Bishop a lot. The tools, the speed is real. Power is real. It's like 6 or 65 on both, depending where you look. I mean, with real swing and miss concerns, but the dude's an XL-sized outfielder with huge tools that might hit for big power and play center field. I'm. Yep. Would have been I'm, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hurts. Stings. He was close. It stings a little that he made it that close. Right. Number eleven, the Blue Jays picked, and they went with Alec Manoa. I. I, I don't really get why. I don't really understand Alec Manoa. Me neither. He screams extremely reliever to me. Yep. 100% agree. Uh, and I think a lot of the Ks are going to turn into walks against better competition. I mean, it seems like he just throws stuff and has no idea where it's going, which works against lots of college hitters. And then once you have anyone yep. with a semblance of an approach at the plate, they'll just be like, nah. Like he's got a, a big fastball and a good slider, but there's lots of guys in pro ball who have big fastballs and good sliders. Man, you know? it sounds like hmm, every arm the Mets have acquired at the deadline over the past three <laughs> yeah, seasons. You know, he's got a little more fastball than most of those guys, but yeah. if he doesn't have a third pitch, you know, is the slider going to be enough? If he doesn't have a third pitch and he doesn't have, he doesn't like, even like have pinpoint good command. command. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Um. Yep. Don't get it. Well, that brings us to pick number 12, the Mets pick. And I guess this is really the first surprise, I guess, of the draft. Um, they went with third baseman out of Lake Travis High School in Spicewood, Texas, Brett Beatty. And regardless of how you feel about him, I think that we're all maybe relieved is not the best word, but we're all thankful that it was not uh, Zach Thompson. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, someone made this comment in the Slack earlier. I don't remember who, but it's not mine. But they're pointing out that they're stocking up on the same profile of 
ceiling oh, over floor college lefties, which is a profile that even if you hit on them, you have a bunch of guys that don't really move the needle a ton. So why are you stocking up on this profile? Yep. Uh, so thank you for not doing that. Plus, this one has health concerns. Yep. Not really high floor either. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, well, of course, eventually... the Cardinals. Yeah, the Cardinals yeah, took him. So yep. yeah, so who knows? <laughs> They're gonna work their magic, and he's gonna be an ace in three years because mm-hmm. you know it's the Cardinals. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little background about Baby. Um, he is from Spicewood, Texas. He was a three-sport star at Lake Travis High School. He played football, he played basketball, and baseball. He stopped playing football basically after a year, but a lot of people thought that he could, if he stuck with it, they could see him playing on the Division One team in college. He was okay in basketball. Um, I, myself, don't really know much about the game. I don't know what is expected from every position, but I know that he averaged nine points per game, which doesn't really seem that great. Two assists per game, five rebounds, and a steal. So I don't know what any of that really means, but that's what he did. And then uh, baseball, he obviously excelled. Um, kind of noteworthy, I guess, is that he basically walked onto the varsity team as a freshman. A lot of times players, you know, are in the junior varsity in their freshman or sophomore year, but he he spent a majority of he spent 28 games with the varsity team and he basically just mashed he hit 392 468 554 in 28 games um he only hit one home run but a lot of doubles a lot of extra base hits and basically that is the story of his entire high school career um except those home run numbers have spiked very much so um looking at his skipping over the rest of his career and just looking at this season he appeared in 37 games and he hit 615 736 1.333 with 44 walks nine strikeouts and 19 home runs so that's those are some impressive numbers. Uh even taking into account that it's high school baseball and those numbers can get pretty nutty. Um defensively, he is not as impressive um as the bat. He's a third baseman. He's capable of staying at third base in the near future, but he's probably going to have to eventually move to get moved off of the position to either first or possibly even left field. The biggest issue with him is he doesn't really have much quick twitch muscle. Um, he has a good arm. You know, he, he pitched a bit uh, and he can hit around 90 miles per hour or so with his fastball. So he has a good arm, but it's just really the mobility. He's not the quickest. He doesn't have really the quickest reactions. He doesn't really have the m- most mobility so he's not really able to range on, you know, quick, fast plays, and a lot of balls get past him there. But when you are able to hit like him, you know, you can kind of put 
defense aside, as long as it's not terrible. And there's a pretty good chance that Beatty is going to be able to be a kind of prototypical slugging third baseman in the majors if he makes it. Um, he has a good swing. It's kind of quick, fluid, a lot of strength, a lot of torque, and a lot of power. And he has a good eye. Um, good, good, um, pitch recognition skills. He, he comes to the play with the plan. So there's, there's a lot to like there with the overall, uh, offensive, uh, package. So what do you guys think? I know, Lucas, you were a fan. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, like, like, I, obviously my, like, like Ken said, we think college hitters are the ideal pick, but for me, the next category are prep hitters. Um, and I thought most of the interesting college hitters were off the board at this point, or at least the most interesting ones. That would be Rushman, Vaughn, Blade, and Bishop. Um, and I guess Young, if you're, uh, counting him. And I think the, the offensive profile is pretty exciting. It's, it's like the high school stats are basically useless, but like he hit, he's hit with wood bats a little bit as well. Um, I got, I was interested in him at first because of the age factor. So he's 19 and a half or a little bit older than that. And generally drafting old prep players is an absolutely terrible idea. Um, or at least that's what the common knowledge is, but I wonder how much of that is just a small sample size thing, uh, where, uh, like you have only a small number of these older prep guys and then they have just a high failure rate due to random noise and what the true underlying failure rate is the same as prep players in general, which is pretty high. Um, so I wonder if, if perhaps he, his value was depressed because of unnecessary hand wringing over his age not to say it isn't an issue but an extra year in high school facilities doesn't concern me as much as an extra year in pro facilities or college facilities or what have you um i think the swing is legit i think the offense is legit i'm also of the opinion that most infielders unless they're like pete alonso size can play second or third in modern baseball with the improved conditioning and the improved defensive positioning, so the defense doesn't concern me. Uh, like, I think he'll be better than J.D. Davis, and we've played J.D. Davis at third base for how many games this season? So it, I, I think it's it's not something that I'm particularly worried about. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with the pick. There wasn't anyone I, I hardcore preferred left on the board. There would have been other guys that would have been interesting that I'm sure you and Ken will mention, but of of the guys left, I, I was pretty pleased with who they took. Yeah, same. Um, <clears throat> basically, I, I, the two comps that I, I've heard uh, people making to, to Batty are um, the aforementioned Josh Jung, just from being like a San Antonio or area. Is that near Austin or San Antonio, Lake Travis? Austin. 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 Okay, well, being a you know big time Texas prospect, third baseman with uh, defensive questions. Mm. So I've seen him comp to Jung, and then the other one is another person we've discussed on this podcast that I like more than either of you, which is Nolan Gorman, um, being like a big-time power overhit type of player. Um, so 
Yeah, I, I kind of dig it. Um, I also think there's a pretty good chance he ends up moving to the outfield instead of first base, which would be cool or would be fine, you know? Well, that would probably be optimal because one of the guys that I immediately thought of when I was just kind of looking over the initial information about Beatty and just kind of starting to write the, his draft profile, the first guy that immediately came to mind was a guy that's probably going to be a teammate of his at some point, Mark Vientos. Mm. And you can't have both of them playing third base at the same time, but they're both kind of similar profile as a lot of a lot of raw power. Um, the bats can get a little long at times, but yep. it's a good swing. Defensively, not a lot of quick twitch, but they can man the position well. Not the speediest guys, mm-hmm. and they're literally a, a month apart <laughs> in age. So. Yeah, I saw you tweeted that. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Vientos has been in pro ball for two full years. Yeah. I mean, the arm, he definitely has the arm for, like, he has plenty of arm for right field, if that's mm-hmm. where he winds up, right? And he's yeah. got the offensive profile of a right fielder. I think he's athletic enough that if he's forced to the outfield, he'd be fine out there. So, I, I think worst case scenario is a, is a corner outfield spot as opposed to first base. I think you're wasting the arm talent if you put him at first base, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I also found a quote when after they picked him where he basically says that he at some point preferred to switch to the outfield to avoid the wear and tear of an infield position. Hmm. So it seems like that's already on his radar. I mean, the, the, I the case. that ends up being the plan relatively quickly. Carrying tools, the bat. If he hits, yep. you find a place to put him. Exactly. No matter no matter what. Um. And I think I think we all like the bat to some extent, though. Yeah. Steve, I think you would you had picks you would have preferred, right? Yeah, there were a few guys. Um, I guess we'll we'll get to the the lighter issue at the end of this, but like one I guy. I the lighter side of life. Right. God well. damn it! <laughs> you kicked off the podcast. Ugh. <laughs> one guy I would have preferred would would have been uh, Cameron Meisner. I think though that they kind of do have a him and Beatty have a similar profile. Um, you know, longish bats that that there might be a little more swing and miss than you would like, but a lot of power. I think where Meisner has the edge over Beatty is uh, defense. He's he's deceptively speedy. Uh, he's been playing center field a lot this past season. Uh, maybe he can stick there for a couple more years. Might not, but he's definitely an outfielder. Um, and he surprisingly still has not been selected by anybody yet, which is kind of odd to me. Um, but hey, um, let's see. yeah, I saw a decent amount of Meisner, and uh, I I like the profile a lot. Um, oh, speak of the devil, he just got huh, picked. he just got picked by the Marlins in their right, first competitive balance. See, that's the power of the podcast. Uh huh. <laughs> They're listening right now somehow. I mean, I'm a little. I mean, it seems like he struggled with with uh, velocity a lot in college, or at least this past season, which is somewhat concerning against college velo. Like, you know, that doesn't that wasn't a major flag for you. 
Uh, yes and no. I mean, the bat. I don't think that he's going to be a particularly high average guy if he, you know, through the minors, if he gets to the majors. So the fact that he had a little bit of struggles, the fact that he's only he only hit like two ninety or something instead of well into the three hundreds, like you'd want to see your top kind of uh, prospects hit. It, like I said, it's a little concerning with the swing and the miss and the ability to hit for uh, average, but I think the rest, he has enough other tools that they will kind of prop up, you know, any any um, questions with the batting average. Mm. He's just like a physical specimen, too. Yeah, he's, he's a big, strong guy. It sounds right. like... Uh... Discount Hunter Bishop almost. Uh, yeah, the, the two of them are pretty similar. Um, and I think I think Meisner has been like more highly regarded for longer, whereas Bishop is kind of riding this stupendous uh, 2019 season. But I, I could see the appeal. Right, the two of them kind of have had crossing arcs at this point. Yeah, uh, Meisner had like a monster season, and then this year he's kind of down a bit. And Bishop did not have a good season last year. He changed his swing a bit, and this year he's the the dividends are paying off. I mean, it seems like like Meisner's gone for more power this year, and it's hurt his overall line. But perhaps he's another guy who needs swing tweaks, uh, similar to. Uh, not the same swing tweaks that Young needs, but but also needs very a, different, yeah, yeah. But need it needs a similar amount of work, if that makes sense. Ken, who who would you have preferred? Um, let's see. My feelings on Jack Leiter, I'm assuming we're going to save for later. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Quinn Prester's a, an interesting name. Um. You probably know more about him than I do, but it seems like he's kind of precocious. Um, very good. similar, kind of like lighter, but probably sign up more signable, you know? Yeah. And, uh, throws harder, maybe not as good of secondary stuff. Is that somewhere in the ballpark? Uh, I would say that if you're going to kind of measure the best curveballs, it would definitely be between Priester and lighter. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think he would have been a good poll. Um, I'm also a fan of, of Meisner's game, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think after the first couple picks, like I think once you got past, um, Blade or, or maybe Green, uh, uh, oh, and Bishop, right? Like I think, I think, uh, our consensus was having Bishop in that top group, even though he went a little bit later, uh, it seemed like things were pretty flexible from then on. Like we had guys we knew we didn't want, but uh, a handful of guys that all seemed. Yeah, that's always where it kind of goes for me. It's like there's guys I don't really like the profile for, right. uh, or I don't really understand the logic of of, it, right. of why you would pick them. Um, I don't really. Once you get deeper into the the rounds, like it becomes harder and harder to like have guys, you know. Right. Yeah. Basically, every, right. everybody outside of the top tier has their warts. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to disqualify guys than than to say, "Yeah, this is a great pick." It's more like they didn't make a mistake, and now we'll see how he looks in 
a month of pro ball because guys looked like Nolan Gorman went from a, a all right, that's a fine pick to holy shit, this guy could mash. Yeah, you know, this guy could be a monster. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what Beatty does once they get him. I assume they'll send him to like, I don't think they'd probably send him to Kingsport or. I would hope so. I really hope he gets to Brooklyn for no other reason than, you know, we'll have a chance, a very good chance to see him. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> mind seeing him at Brooklyn, honestly. Honestly, I, I think that he should be sent to Brooklyn because. Like he's, he's old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's, you know, he wouldn't be incredibly young. For, um, I wish it, it'd be a lot easier if, for instance, like Vientos and Mauricio were mashing, that you could push them to Brooklyn and then put him in their spot. Um, but since they're not hitting as much, I don't know. See, I, I would be hesitant to send him to full season ball um, just because, you know, I don't know if he's ever faced competition that's like anywhere near that good, mm. you know? Right, he's older, but the he's, a, but he's been playing against mostly, you know, seventeen and eighteen year olds. Sorry, so. I did I did that backwards, didn't I? You did, yes. I, uh, didn't okay, say anything, yeah. I realized but. it as I was saying, and I'm like, wait, this is wrong. I got confused. <laughs> My bad. No, I mean, uh, it'd be easier if they if you could push them up a level and slide slide him into their spot is what I was yeah. trying to say. But uh, since they're not, they're already there. Right, they're already there and they're they're doing fine, but they're not playing at such a level that it's like, all right, promote slide Beatty in at third. Yep. Well, that brings up the question of his signability. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a commitment to the University of Texas. He's obviously done the right thing and and has said that he wants to keep his options open. He wouldn't mind going to Texas. Not gonna overplay his hand there. But do you think that he's signable? Yes. I think so, and I think they'll get savings, uh, bonus pool savings, but maybe not a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, from that same article that I, I read the quote about pos- the position change uh, in the Statesman, um, he basically says it's going to come down to money. I have no problem going to Texas if somebody doesn't meet my number. So. Yep. Um which is the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I so. think – I mean he was floated as as a name. Most often he was connected with the Rangers as a guy they would say get money on. Last couple of days he was even mentioned as a guy possibly in the top five who teams would save money on. So I, I am not very concerned about his signability. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Mets will get some savings. I mean, this ties in nicely to if we want to talk about what they might do with that second pick. Mm-hmm. So, for me personally, anyway, a lot of my how I will grade, I guess, my initial grade of this uh, of Beatty's selection is going to depend on what they do with the second pick. Optimally, they would have already made this second selection, and we'd be talking about it. But again. This is just dragging on and on and on and on. So it's it's really like a bad broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like all of the picks take too long. There's way too much talking. It's like they took the uh, they're like, "Hey, we see the NFL draft making money, but instead of doing all the good things they do, let's just do the bad parts." <laughs> so, we're 
basically going to be spitballing here. But yeah. with with the second round pick, which would be the 53rd overall, the Mets, I feel, need to make a splash, do something big, do something good. And there is a player out there, I think that we've kind of alluded to it a couple of times, that would do just that. What are you just, just random numbers? How, how have you feel in your heart of hearts? What are the odds that the Mets go and select lighter with that second round pick? Uh, I think, <laughs> I think very low, but I would like to, to mess around with the math and see if we can see if it's feasible. Um, I will just note because this is relevant. Uh, the Yankees just took someone else who wasn't lighter with their competitive balance pick that they got from, I don't know. Um, so that means they've made both their picks and did not take lighter, which, and they were the biggest competition for the Mets here. So there, there's a chance, at least. He's still on the board. It could still happen. Yeah, but according to rumors and everything, obviously he has a uh, commitment to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is... Good school. It's hard to sign guys away from it. Yes. And supposedly, uh, Jack Leiter's short list of teams that he would be willing to think about it was the Mets and the Yankees. So. I would say, I mean, let, let me preface this by saying like this is a very, this would be a very non-Mets thing. And in fairness, it is kind of different, difficult to say what the Mets thing is at this point, given that they just hired a new front office this past off season, but they typically haven't done very exciting things with, with their later picks. Uh, that said, they did hire his dad recently, like over the off season. So there's, there's some smoke there, at least like, like, like it's not, Totally out of the realm of possibility, but I would say like a two or a three out of ten at most. Yeah. Uh, let's see if it's like theoretically possible. Mm-hmm. The slot so, the slot bonus is one point three seven million. So one point three seven million. Um, how much would do you think that they would have to save on Batty to make this feasible? What's the third round pick slot? I do not believe that it's even in the millions anymore at that point. It's yeah, 670k. Yeah. It's a 670k. Okay, so, so they probably need to save Wait, a uh, million. They need to save a million on Beatty at least, and then kind of punt their next three picks because the number for Lighter is like four million ish, right? That's what's been rumored. Yeah. yeah. So I think they could get there if they saved a million on on uh. Uh, Beatty. Beatty, yeah. Which does seem, I think, is within the realm of possibility. Yeah, I think they could feasibly do uh, 1.3 million. I think if if he signs for somewhere around 3 million, I think that's pretty fair. Mm-hmm. Another uh, possibility, and it would be saving money, is if Beatty just doesn't sign. <laughs> you lose, don't you lose the slot? Yeah, you lose though? the slot, right? Uh, I don't know. They don't sign. Yeah, because I think that's where all the problems have been. Mm. Oh, well, never mind. Yeah. But that brings up another, I guess, uh, not issue, but it brings up another point about this draft. If Beatty doesn't sign, if he's not satisfied with whatever the Mets give him, he wants to honor his commitment to Texas, 
Then the Mets next year would have the 12th pick in the 2020 draft. And this draft has mm, not been the worst in the last couple of years, but it hasn't really been the best either. Yeah. And obviously we have no clue right now um, the trajectories of all the different players that are going to be in the 2020 draft, but it supposedly has is going to be better than this one. So yeah. as a strategy, would you be – Happy, unhappy, or neutral if if that happened. If Beatty didn't sign, I'd be neutral. Yeah, um, neutral. Now, if they don't sign him and also, like, get nothing out of the second, then I might be a little annoyed because this is a very weak farm system that needs needs some help, so... Like let's let's say they did take Leiter for instance second you know, with the second round pick and then Beatty doesn't sign which means you basically can't sign Leiter like then you've wasted your top two picks that would frustrate me yeah that um, would be a pretty terrible draft that would be yeah like that'd be a very low Mets thing to happen <laughs> so it's probably gonna happen <laughs> oh you, you definitely would I highly doubt it <laughs> I don't think they take Brett Beatty uh, over some of the college pitchers that were available if they didn't know his number and know that they could beat it. Someone, so, so are there any other guys you, that we were monitoring for that pick? Um, I know there was a, there was one name I was looking at for like later rounds that the Astros popped in the first round. So I was like, so that's out the window, but. Was that Lee? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Cause, uh, I mean, not that I have any great loyalty to my college, but I, (laughs) Coyley was another Cal Bear, and he hit a lot this year, and I thought he'd be an interesting catching prospect in a system that could probably use some catching prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's gone, so, like, no other – I mean, I, as a general rule, don't really dig too deep past the second round because it's mostly all nonsense in the public sphere at that point. So yeah, I don't... the ones that you hear about later are guys who like hit their really high end outcomes. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's just a whole bunch of impossible to like project. Right. So there wasn't anyone else I had in mind with that second round pick. Was there anyone you guys were thinking about? Nah, I never really bother looking. Yeah. I never that. get too deep. Um, really just any of the guys, uh, you know, the, the prep pitchers that are still on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Allen might fall, continue to fall. If he's anywhere near signable, you know. Uh, should we talk about but, who they're likely to pick? Um, uh, a very non-high-sailing <laughs> shortstop. <laughs> there have been a couple mocks that have them taking uh, Brady McConnell out of Florida, who, in fairness, has hit this year, but A, does not have the body of a shortstop. No. Has B, he hit this year? Yeah, he hit this year. Let me see. It's I think... 332. He's got okay. 15 home runs. Like, college yeah, okay. stats, that, metal that bats. Yeah, yeah. Like he's hitting. Uh, okay, yeah, Jeff mentioned, dropped this in Slack when we were talking about, you know, that mock, and he's walked 16 times this year and struck out 53. Yeah, so not, not exactly what you want out of a uh, a college. <laughs> no, it's not. He, he falls into the the like the SEC performer category. Mm-hmm. 
And like, SEC you're gonna have to, Go ahead. You know, you're gonna have to pay, he's also a draft eligible sophomore, so he has more leverage than your typical SEC performer. I don't see any way they sign him for less than, you know, slot. They probably have to go over. Um, if how they drafted Carlos Cortez is any. Oh no. <laughs> that, that's how to say, who in fairness is, has been okay, uh, in the Florida State League. Let's, pleasantly let's, surprised. Yeah, let's Fun. take a half hour to relitigate Carlos Cortez, and by that time we might have actually gotten to the second round pick. Let's see, wait, no, he was drafted in 2018, so five years after that, 2023. Oh boy. <laughs> we'll get to talk about him on our graphics. I believe, I believe also Tra- that. Retrospectives. What's up? Uh, McConnell was, was a, prep guy as well, like a prep name, so that also fits into the Mets trope of, hey, this guy was big two or three years ago, we're getting him now, it's a bargain, so... It's like how we always say that they they don't, like, change their evaluations once they make them. No, right, exactly. Uh, That would be a very good example of this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The last two years have gone, okay, (laughs) but he's probably not a better prospect than he was as a prep. No. And... Now he's now he's spent two years in college as opposed to in your pro system. So, and like the 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 lines are blurred between like um, the development you would see at like a good school like Florida uh, versus you know the complex. But yeah, you know, mm. he's now behind where he would have been, and you're not adjusting your you know your evaluation of him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, on that note, let's take a break, and we'll be back with a little bit more draft discussion after this. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. We are back. I'm Steve Saipa. I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin. And um, we'll just quickly look at some of the other picks in the first round that were selected after the Mets. Had there been any um, surprises, anything that you thought was a guy selected too early, a guy selected, you know, way lower than you thought? Um, so Thompson went a lot lower than people were expecting him to. When we already mentioned that briefly, that he went to the Cardinals at 19. Um, so perhaps the, I mean, teams always have more medical information than we do. So perhaps the the injury concerns or their workload concerns were more real. Um, 
I think George Kirby was also connected to the Mets, and he went later yep. than expected at mm-hmm. twenty. So I think I thought, but I thought it was interesting that both of the college arms the Mets were supposedly looking at wound up going. I don't know. I don't want to call it significantly later, but a decent chunk later than that actual pick. I was kind of I I'm, I like Josh Jung, but I was kind of shocked that he was picked before Bishop. Yeah, um, I agree. I thought that was kind of a no-brainer. Um, but that goes to show what I know. Uh, Will Wilson being drafted in the top 20 I thought was a little bit high. Uh, Will Wilson, a shortstop out of North Carolina State. Like, he's got impressive power, but he's not going to stick at shortstop, I don't think. And um, he's he's another guy who swings real hard. <laughs> Like, I, I can't imagine I, – I, I don't think he's going to hit for a high enough average to make – he's like Ciccini, but with more pop is my current perception of him, I guess. Yeah. I think uh, there are a couple – I think there are a couple guys that fit into that bucket, like, uh, in this draft, and I don't yeah, think Bryson any of us – Yeah, Scott was probably another one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's like Gavin Ciccini, but we gave him a metal bat for two years and watched <laughs> what happened. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, we were – Stott was connected to the Mets, too. I'm glad they didn't dip into that yeah. well either. Like, no thank you. That's, yeah, not a great profile. Um, I mentioned this really briefly, but I thought Corey Lee going in the first was very interesting. Um, so Lee is a was a relatively unknown catcher at Berkeley, uh, Andrew Vaughn's teammate, but this year he just started uh, – his power came along. Uh, he's always had, like, he would, he posted some pretty impressive pop times, even as a freshman when I was, uh, when I'd see him play, but the offense wasn't very good, and now he's learned how to hit and hit for power. Um, I don't know how much, like, major league caliber pitching he's caught, so, uh, and I'm not, I have no idea how any scout sitting behind home plate evaluates catcher framing, so I don't know what the metrics say on that front. I'm, I'm pretty um, sure that they don't evaluate it like in any substantial way. Right, like that just seems <laughs> impossible. But he had he had good pop times, and now he's hitting. And I'm sure he also benefited from every scout on the West Coast coming in to see Andrew Vaughn and saying, "Hey, that catcher looks pretty decent too over there." So I thought he would have been an interesting day two selection for the Mets. Um, but I feel somewhat validated because the Astros took him, and they always do smart things. So. <laughs> Yep. Uh, I was also surprised that Anthony Volp, uh, or Anthony Volpe, I believe it's pronounced, I have no uh, was taken uh, by the Yankees in, at the end of the first round. I thought that was very interesting. Um, he was a guy who's projected for most of, you know, the last calendar year to be like a, a second round guy or a third round guy. But uh, the Yankees are probably going to have to give him over slot at with pick number 30. Um, teammate of, of Jack Lighters at uh, Del Barton in Morristown. Uh, yeah. yeah. That was a surprising selection. Um, I know the two of them have kind of been, you know, talked about in a pair, Volpe and Lighter. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't understand he just strategy why you would pick him over Lighter. Just for for... I don't get it. Draft bonus purposes. If you if you're targeting the two of them, 
or you have interest, you know, pick the one that's going to cost more first because you're going to have more access to that slot bonus. I don't understand the Volpe love either because yeah. most scouting reports describe him as a glove first guy who hits for contact, which he's more he's more power over hit. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, I was talking to Jared about it. Okay. Um, he's he's. Like, he's small, but he swings real hard. Oh, oh, he's one of those dudes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I don't know. He's got an interesting set of tools, but, um, I, I, you know, unless the power really plays, what is he, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, in this era of defensive positioning, I'm, I'm, at least my personal philosophy is being willing to sacrifice some infield defense for for more offense, even though infield defense highlights are the best highlights in any sport. So it kind of pains me to say that. Um, but I don't understand drafting a prep shortstop known more for his glove than his bat, who you're going to have to give over slot money. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if the Yankees, you know, you know, maybe e- either know something we don't about him oh, or have a, a very good plan, uh, you know, to develop him. So who knows? They yeah. may not even sign him. <laughs> that too, right? Um, but these are the things that the – oh, okay, something interesting after I finish Yeah, no, thought. breaking news. <laughs> yeah, so, so for, first, though, these are the things that, like, the teams at the back end of the first round do super well. Like, this is why the Dodgers system and the Astros system are still elite, because they take guys that they know they can change to be better. Like, yeah, they, have a plan, they have a plan for every guy they draft or bring into their system before they get there, and then they implement that plan, and it works because they know what they can do. Yeah. Um, and everyone else is playing catch up. The breaking news is that Brady McConnell is just taken by the Royals <laughs> with pick forty four. So throw that clear, whole discussion out the window. To be clear, the Royals are not one of those organizations. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Wait, wait. Let, uh, I, I, I am I, not confident that they see anything that I've anyone got else. Nate Moore on the phone. He says he wants to get Alcides Escobar more shortstop at bats in twenty nineteen. <laughs> Um, well, now that McConnell's off the board, was this, this, the smoke is a little bit uh, more... I'm going to ratchet it up to a four. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I was trying to buy as much time as I could have possibly done to try to maybe see if we can get into the second round, but, I mean, there's still quite still a few picks. How many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven... Yeah, that that could be like another half hour. Uh. I know all of you listeners out there love listening to us, but another half hour, we just can't do that. I'm sorry. Pace of play, Rob Manfred. Pace of draft pick. Come mm-hmm. on. Um, we should do an emergency pod later in the week if the Mets choose lighter. <laughs> I would be very down for that, yes. <laughs> Ron Howard voiceover. They didn't choose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, it was the worst case. Well, I don't want to say worst case scenario because they could have taken a complete dud that no one has even heard of it at, at twelve. But yeah, um, a, a less optimal situation was avoided, so that's good. They selected a player who 
not necessarily divisive, but there's there's a lot of upside. There's warts, but there's, there's a, a lot, lot of upside, upside too. yeah, and a lot of downside. But you know. so it's exciting. Let's see. just just uh, off I, the top of your head, quick. Where would you rank Beatty right now if he signs and he just doesn't even play? He just uh, signs in the med system. In the med system, yeah. Fifth, I'm gonna say fifth or sixth behind. Uh, let me think. Jimenez, uh, Mauricio, Vientos. In no particular order, these are the guys who are better than him. Uh, K at this point. Um, Alonso graduated. Newton has I'd, been bad. Sapuki's I'd probably more. put him. Um, where did we? Where do we have Vientos? I probably put him right behind Vientos. He was three. Yeah. Three. K is probably up higher, but Alonzo's down. Yeah. Uh, I should pull up our, our list. The on, the We're six pull- picks away. We might as well fill some time with this. Uh, let's not do that. Okay, you're right. <laughs> the only the only four names that I think are better, uh, the two that are definitely better, Jimenez and K, and we haven't really talked a lot about Jimenez, but that might be questionable. Mm-hmm. Um and then he's probably in the same tier as Mauricio Vient and Vientos. Yeah, so I'd put him at five, I think. Yeah, that's yep. right. That's right, Sodom. That's I was thinking about four or five. So we're all consensus. That's good. Mm. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. You could follow us on Twitter. I'm at Steve Seifel. I don't have my script open. So Lucas, what is your Twitter handle? My Twitter is lflahos343. Ken, what is yours? I'm at KenLavin91. And, of course, you can tweet at Amazing Avenue any draft-related questions. The next couple of days are going to be pouring all those draft profiles out. Obviously, we would like the most if you sign up on the site, leave us comments there, join the discussion, download the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, rate, review, leave only good things to say about us, please. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll be back next week to discuss some more draft fallout and we will kind of get back into uh minor league updates.